Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. And um, we can look over to this day in trivia as we get ourselves started today. Actually, we're going to do a different website today. The website that I want to look at is Britannica, actually. Britannica has their own webpage on what happened this day in history. Japan is struck by an earthquake and tsunami on this day, 2011. Most of us remember this well. This is what caused a major nuclear accident this day. Struck on the northeast coast of Honshu. And if, and you can still see the videos today. Devastated the country. Very, very sad. The COVID-19 outbreak was announced as a pandemic on this day. And that's really interesting. It was announced as a pandemic on this day in 2020. And call me a conspiracy theorist, which I am, but... This is also the day in 1918 when the Spanish flu reached the United States and the first reported case in the United States was the Spanish flu. Same day that the COVID was, was announced as a pandemic. I find that rather interesting. Um, what else going on? Let's see. This was also the day of the one of the worst winter storms, believe it or not, in March. Hit the Atlantic coast of the United States in New York City. 22 inches of snow in other areas. 50 inches of snow. It was called the Great Blizzard of 1888. This was the year. It, became, it, um, it killed more than 400 people and caused widespread property damage. Wow. Mm, let's see. We've got anything else going on here. This was also the beginning of the rise of Mikhail Gorbachev on this day. He took over as president of the Soviet Union on this day, which ended up to be a good thing overall. And the Parliament of Lithuania became the first Soviet Republic to declare its independence from the USSR in this day in 1990. So Gorbachev took the office in 85, and by 90 he was, he was dismantling the Soviet Union. And lastly, the great um, terrorist attack in Madrid, 2004, where 10 bombs were donated by Islamist militants, exploded on four trains and three different railway stations, killing 191 people, injuring 1,800 others. I've been to Madrid, Spain, been around those trains, and I just uh, it, that one really shook me when I heard it. It was very, very sad. Well, let's jump over on a dad joke or two before we get going and see what's see what's on the agenda today. How about bad puns? We have some categories here we can look into. <laughs> a patient sobs to his doctor. I feel like a pair of curtains, doctor. Well, put yourself together, man. <laughs> Never heard anybody describe themselves like curtains before. Hmm. I got my girlfriend a get better soon card. She's, she's not ill or anything, but she could definitely get better. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> you didn't have that girl for very long, okay? My ex-wife misses me. 
but her aim is steadily improving. <laughs> I'm sure there's some ex-wives that are probably appreciate that joke too. All right, we will get started in numbers three and four. So please open up your Bibles and we will look into numbers three and four. Father God, thank you for this day we have with you. We praise you. We thank you. We rejoice, God, knowing your your ever-present love for us and your guidance. So we look towards these things that you have for us here expectantly. In Jesus' name, amen. Now these are the records of the generations of Aaron and Moses at the time when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. These, then, are the names of the sons of Aaron, Nadab, the firstborn, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the anointed priests, whom he ordained to serve as priests. But Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered strange fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. And they had no children, so Eleazar and Ithamar served as priests in the lifetime of their father Aaron. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron, the priest, that they may serve him. They shall perform the duties for him and for the whole congregation before the tent of meeting and do the service of the tabernacle. They shall also keep all the furnishings of the tent of meeting along with the duties of the sons of Israel, and do the service of the tabernacle. You shall thus give the Levites to Aaron and to his sons. They are wholly given to him from among the sons of Israel. You shall appoint Aaron and his sons so that they may keep their priesthood, but the layman who comes near shall be put to death. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now behold, I have taken the Levites from among the sons of Israel instead of every firstborn, the first issue of the womb among the sons of Israel. So the Levites shall be mine, for all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn of Israel from man to beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, Number the sons of Israel by their fathers' households, by their families, every male from a month old and upward you shall number. So Moses numbered them according to the word of the Lord, just as he had been commanded. These then are the sons of Levi by their names, Gershom and Kohath and Merari. These are the names of the sons of Gershom by their families. Libni and Shemai, these are the sons of Koath, by their families, Aram and Isar, Hebron and Uziel, and the sons of Merari, by their families, Mali and Mushi, these are the families of the Levites, according to their father's households. Of Gershom was of the family of the Libnites, and of the family of the Shemnites, these were the families of of the Gershonites. Their numbered men, in the numbering of every male from a month old and upward, even their numbered men were 7,500. The families of the Gershonites were to camp behind the tabernacle westward. And the leader of the father's households, 
of the Gershonites was Elisaph, the son of Lael. Now the duties of the sons of Gershom in the tent of meeting involved the tabernacle and the tent, its covering, and the screen of the doorway of the tent of meeting, and the hangings of the court, and the screen for the doorway of the court, which is around the tabernacle and the altar and its courts, according to all the service concerning them. Of Koath was the family of the Amorites and the family of the Izzarites, and the family of the Hebronites, and the family of the Uzalites. These were the families of the Kohathites. In the numbering of every male from a month old and upward, there were 8,600 performing the duties of the sanctuary. The families of the sons of Koath were to camp on the southward side of the tabernacle. And the leader of the father's households of the Kohathite family was Elsaphan, the son of Uziel. Now, the duties involved the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, and the, the utensils of the sanctuary with which they minister, and the screen and all the service concerning them. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, was the chief of the leaders of Levi and had the oversight of those who performed the duties of the sanctuary. Of Merari, the family of the Milites, the, fa the family of the Mushites, these were the families of Merari. Their numbered men in the numbering of every male from one month old and upward were 6,200. The leader of the father's household of the families of Merari was Zuriel, the son of Abihel, they were to camp on the northward side of the tabernacle. Now, the appointed duties of the sons of Merari involved the frames of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, all its equipment, and the service concerning them, and the pillars around the court with their sockets and their pegs and their courts. Now, those who were to camp before the tabernacle eastward, before the tent of meeting towards the sunrise, are Moses and Aaron and his sons performing their duties, of the sanctuary for the obligation of the sons of Israel, but the layman coming near was to be put to death. All the numbered men of the Levites whom Moses and Aaron numbered at the command of the Lord by their families, every male from a month old and upward were 22,000. Verse 40. Then the Lord said to Moses, number every firstborn male of the sons of Israel from a month old and upward and make a list of their names. You shall take the Levites for me, I am the Lord, instead of all the firstborn among the sons of Israel, all the cattle of the Levites, instead of all the firstborn among the cattle of the sons of Israel. So Moses numbered all the firstborn among the sons of Israel, just as the Lord had commanded him, and all the firstborn males by the number of the names of uh, from a month old and upward, for their numbered men were 22,273. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the sons of Israel and the cattle of the Levites, and the Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. For the ransom of the 273 of the firstborn of the sons of Israel, who are in excess beyond the Levites, you shall take five shekels apiece per head. You shall take them in terms of the shekel of the sanctuary. The shekel is 20 geras. And give the money to the ransom of those who are in the excess among them to Aaron and his sons. 
So Moses took the ransom of money from among those who were in excess beyond those um, ransomed by the Levites. From the firstborn of the sons of Israel, he took the money in terms of the shekel of the sanctuary, 1,365. Then Moses gave the ransom money to Aaron and to his sons at the command of the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Chapter 4. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, Take a census from the descendants of Quath, from among the sons of Levi, by their families, by their fathers' households, from 30 years old and upwards, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service to do the work in the tent of meeting. This is the work of the descendants of Koath in the tent of meeting concerning the most holy things. When the camp sets out, Aaron and his sons shall go in, and they shall take down the veil of the screen and cover the ark of the testimony with it. They shall lay a covering of porpoise skin on it and shall spread over it a cloth of pure blue and shall insert its poles over the table of the bread of the presence. They shall also spread a cloth of blue and put on it the dishes and pans and, and sacrificial bowls and the jars for the drink offering and the continual bread shall be on it. They shall spread over them a cloth of scarlet material and cover the same with a covering of porpoise skin, and they shall insert its poles. Then they shall take a blue cloth and cover the lampstand for the light, among with the lamps of the snuffers and the trays and all of its oil vessels by which they serve it. And they shall put it and all its utensils in the covering of the porpoise skin and shall put it on the carrying bars. Over the golden altar they shall spread a blue cloth and a covering with it, and a covering of porpoise skin, and shall insert its poles. They shall take all the utensils of service with which they serve in the sanctuary, and put them in a blue cloth, and cover them with a covering of porpoise skin, and put them on the carrying bars. Then they shall take away the ashes from the altar, and spread a purple cloth over it. They shall also put on it all the utensils by which they serve in connection with it, the fire pans, the forks, the shovels, and the basins, until all the utensils of the altar, and they shall spread a cover of porpoise skin over it and insert its poles. When Aaron and his sons had finished covering the holy objects and all of the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is to set out, after that the sons of Koath shall come to carry them so that they will not touch the holy objects and die. These are the things in the tent of meeting which the sons of Koath are to carry. The responsibility of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, is the oil of the light and the fragrant incense and the continual grain offering and the anointing oil, the responsibility of all the tabernacle and all that is in it with the sanctuary and its furnishings. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, do not let the tribe of the families of the Kothites be cut off from among the Levites, but do this to them that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy objects. Aaron and his sons shall go in and assign each of them his work and to his load. And they shall not go in to see the holy objects even for a moment or they will die. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take a census of the sons of Gershom also by their father's household and by their families. From 30 years and upward to 50 years old, you shall number them, all 
who enter to perform the service to do the work in the tent of meeting. This is the service of the family of the Gershonites in the serving and in carrying. They shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle in the tent of meeting with its covering and the covering of porpoise skin that is on top of it and the screen of the doorway of the tent of meeting and the hangings of the court and the screen for the doorway of the gate of the court, which is around the tabernacle and the altar and all the cords and all the equipment for their service and all that is to be done, they shall perform. All the service of the sons of the Gershonites in all their loads and in all their works shall be performed at the command of Aaron and his sons. And you shall assign them as a duty all their loads. This is the service of the families of the sons of the Gershonites in the tent of meeting. Their duties shall be under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. Verse 29. As for the sons of Merari, you shall number them by their families and by their households. From 30 years old, even upward to 50 years old, you shall number them. Everyone who enters the service to do the work of the tent of meeting. Now this is the duty of their loads for all their service in the tent of meeting, the boards of the tabernacle and its bars and its pillars and its sockets, and the pillars around the cord and their sockets and their pegs and their cords with all their equipment. And with all their service, you shall assign each man by name the items he is to carry. This is the service of the families of the sons of Merari, according to their service in the tent of meeting under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. So Moses and Aaron and the leaders of the congregation numbered the sons of the Kothites by their families and by their families' households from 30 years old and upward even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for work in the tent of meeting. Their numbered men by their families was 2,750. These are the numbered men of the Kothite families. Everyone who is serving in the tent of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord through Moses. The numbered men of the sons of Gershom by their families and by their father's households. From 30 years and upward, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service to work in the tent of meeting. Their numbered men by their families by their father's households were 2,630. These are the numbered men of the families of the sons of Gershom. Anyone who was serving in the tent of meeting whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord. The numbered men of the families of the sons of Merari by their families, by their father's households. From 30 years upward and even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for the work of the tent of meeting. Their numbered men by their families was 3,200. These are the numbered men of their families of the sons of Merari, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandments of the Lord through Moses. All of the numbered men of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron and the leaders of Israel numbered by their families and by their fathers' households from 30 years and upward even to 50 years old, everyone who could do the work of the service and the work of carrying the tent of meeting, their numbered men were 8,580. According to the commandment of the Lord, through Moses, they were numbered, every one by his serving or carrying. Thus, these were his numbered men, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. 
Very interesting that the age that they entered into service before the tent of meeting, the tabernacle in the presence of God, was 30 years old. Hmm? There's a connection there with Jesus as he began his ministry. That's why it was important for him to wait until he was 30, because he was of the priesthood. He was of the kingly line, but also the priestly line. So he actually entered into his priestly service at 30. It's also interesting to see that they got to retire at 50. I think that should be the God-ordained age to retire and <laughs> and and, and um, relax. No, but I enjoy what I do. I would not want to retire. I really would not want to retire. But it is interesting that they worked until 50. God, actually, it wasn't that they were not able or useless after 50. I think God just is a, is a gracious God and and wanted them to rest, I'm sure, um, spend a lot of time around the grandkids, be my guess. And I'm 50, a lot of them had, still had young kids, I'm sure, adult, young kids, whatever. So they were able to spend more time around the tent, <laughs> I guess, and going into Israel. Of course, yeah, I mean, think about Joshua. He was 80 years old and still and still taking on uh, giants. They they were pretty fit and they they uh, could they lived pretty long, but they were also very incredibly fit to see how um, Moses could keep going up and down the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, carrying stone tablets and everything. At over 80 years old, he probably looked like he was about 60 uh, or 55 or something. And probably was very bulk, probably very, very strong from all that time in the wilderness. Well, let's continue to move on. There's a lot could be said about these, that the tent and the tabernacle and all of these things and the moving of it. And I break all that down in the, in the, in numbers. I have all the teachings on that. But for us, and the takeaway of all this is again, we're, for us, we're just to keep reminding ourselves over and over and over and over again. How is it possible that after all that, everything that was set up and how difficult it was for them to come into the presence of God, that they, that I can come into the presence of God? If they got near, if they weren't called in the ministry, if they weren't called as a priest or a Levite or Aaron's kids, they would die. And they could never see anything of the tabernacle, or they would die, even those ministering. And yet I can come into the presence of God. This is amazing. What I also appreciate, and I, I kind of get a little takeaway of that, the Levites themselves ministering all the time around the tabernacle, but they never could look into the Holy of Holies to see the ark or the mercy seat, which meant, interestingly enough, that in one way they, they lived by faith and not by sight. They were modeling what it was to know that their God was behind the veil, that they could not see but they knew he was ever present with them anyway. Now they did have the, the the fire that you know descended upon the tent, and that would have done it for me. But that was a little bit different than the actual um, his presence over the mercy seat. I think, although there might be some debate on that, but it's pretty phenomenal to think nonetheless. For at least example, person for us to understand that. It was modeling for us a walk by faith. We know God is there and behind the veil, but in sense of not being able to see him, but he is nonetheless there, and we worship at his feet nonetheless. Mark 12. Now, we're going to jump into, uh, we're starting at verse 18 this morning. 
Some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and began questioning him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves behind a wife and leaves no child, his brother should marry his wife and raise up children for his brother. There were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died, leaving him no children. The second man married her and died, leaving behind no children. The third likewise, and so all seven had no children. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are mistaken, that you do not understand the Scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither will marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. But regarding the fact that the dead rise again, have you not read in the book of Moses? In the passage about the burning bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are greatly mistaken. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognized that he had answered them well. He asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. Then Jesus began to say, as he taught in the temple, How is it that the scribes say that Christ is the son of David. David himself said in the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So in what sense is he his son? And the large crowd enjoyed listening to him. In his teaching, he was saying, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogue and places of honor at banquets, who devour widows' houses and for the appearances' sake offer long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. Verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums, but a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which amount to a cent. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Well, they, they could definitely go on to a great teaching on tithing there, but... The issue is I don't believe God wants us to give everything that we have so that we have absolutely nothing left. This was a widow who had nothing and had no money. She was able to find two small coins entered, equivalent to one cent, which means there wasn't 
probably anything that she could really buy with it, or at least to sustain her for any amount of time. She was at she was at her, her end of her rope. She had come to the end of her finances, the end of everything that she had. She had nothing else. So she said, well, I don't have anything, but here's I'm, all my hope and my trust is in you, Lord. And she gave what she had, probably with a prayer, Lord, could you please help me provide? Don't, or just, Lord, I love you. I don't care. If I'm going to take me home, take me home. I'm ready to go. My life is not is not as important to me as my my love for you and expressing that love in that way. Don't know what was going on in her mind for sure, but it was strong enough that Jesus obviously was directed to it by the Holy Spirit himself and saw it and was moved by compassion to see this woman. And that's the issue. The issue is we get so deceived. I get, I get angry with these TV preachers that use this as a way that you have to give us to us out of, you know, out of it until you, until it hurts and give until you are suffering and give up all of your savings for your retirement or your kid's college fund or whatever it is, give it to us because you know, the widow gave her two mites and she came out of her poverty and they manipulate these verses to their own benefit, to their own end. And yet they themselves are living in mansions and flying, you know, $20 million jets while they expect you to sell off everything you own to give to their ministries. This is not what Jesus was to remember. Jesus had to ask them to go find a denarius to come bring it to him, to see whose image was on it. He had no money. Jesus did not have any money. He did not have a mansion. These ridiculous, sinful, blasphemous TV preachers that say Jesus had two mansions and had all this wealth are lying. He didn't. He had nowhere to lay his head. It's very simple. It's not hard to figure out if you just read your Bible. Jesus had nothing. He had no earthly possessions. And yet they try and turn that around to justify their lifestyles. So beware of not only the, the Pharisees who, who like the seats in the synagogue and the long prayers and the robes. Beware of the TV evangelists. Beware of any pastor that whose focus is on lavish lifestyle and um, taking money. It's always about the money. Who's trying to promise you a blessing, this prosperity garbage. If you will give all of your money to them, they're the modern equivalents of these Pharisees, plain and simple. Okay, Charles Spurgeon, whose battle? And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saith not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. First Samuel seventeen forty-seven. Let this point be settled, that the battle is the Lord's, and we may be quite sure of the victory, and of the victory in such a way as will best display the power of God. The Lord is too much forgotten by all men, yea, even by the assemblies of Israel. And when there is an opportunity to make men see that the great first cause can achieve his purpose without the power of man, it is a priceless occasion which shall be well employed. Even Israel looks too much with sword and spear. It is a grand thing to have no sword in the hand of David, and yet for David to know that his God will overthrow a whole army of aliens. If we are indeed contending for the truth of righteousness, let us not tarry till we have talent 
or wealth or any other form of visible power at our disposal, but with such stones as we find in the brook. And with our own unusual sling, let us run and meet the enemy. If it were our own battle, we might not be confident, but if we are standing up for Jesus and warring in his strength alone, who can withstand us? Without a trace of hesitancy, let us face the Philistines, for the Lord of the hosts is with us, and who can be against us? There is a phenomenal devotional about God's ability to use you however you are, whatever you have, and certainly whatever financial position you're in, you do not have to come bearing all kinds of talents and riches to be used by God in these spiritual battles in these days. It's mostly an issue of faith, mostly an issue of just asking God to use you where you are with what you have, whatever it is you bring to the table. Just say, God bless it and help me use it for the kingdom. It's pretty phenomenal. And one of the greatest things there is, is praying specifically for God to do amazing works through certain people. There are many people that could never go into the mission field, but there are many people who have prayed to support and and have been responsible for some of the greatest mission outreaches ever. Because I've been blessed to be around a lot of pretty important and amazing missionaries in my travels all over the last 34 years and listening to them at conferences and talking to them. Just about every single one of them says that there was always a person or people that behind them that had prayed for years for them so that they might be sent out there. They, they might do the work they got to call them to do. And these many of these people had no ability to go out. They either had health issues, they were older, they, they were tied to a job, or they were mothers raising kids, and yet they were faithful in praying and interceding. And it made a huge impact on their ministries and, and uh, on their own lives as well. So these are the kind of things that we, we need to keep in, in focus. And this is why we continue to pray one for another as well. So let's do that. And you guys, we do thank you, Renana, for your prayers. And um, be praying. We do want to pray for Renee because she's sick. She's not feeling good. She's in bed right now. Kind of just bad cough, really. Just not uh, not feeling good at all. She she took some Theraflu, went to bed, so may not see her. Greet you online today, but let's all be praying and thanking God for her and for all that she does. So, Father, we do thank you for this morning and thank you for bringing us here, allowing us to come into your holy of holies as we see all of these details that went on in the Old Testament, and we are marveled, God. We are we are overwhelmed. It's beyond our, even our comprehension, God, of some of the things that you do do, the way that you do speak to us from beyond the veil, so to speak, from your heaven. And we ask, God, that you would continue to guide us and direct us in what we, we are doing in our lives to help us be faithful and to run to the battle with whatever you give us, whatever we have available, and that you be the strength to win the battles through us, that you be the one guiding the stone. You be the one that is guiding us. No matter what it is, we want to maintain our faith in your ability to help us achieve the things that you want us to achieve. So we, we, uh, we trust in you and we wait on you. And we do pray for those that are facing addiction problems that really want to get off, that really want to get their lives back on track. God, may you just give them today 
that faith and that ability to look to you and not to the weakness of their flesh and help them overcome, God, these, make them make a stand and make not only a decision, but take steps today to get rid of any of the things that are causing them the addiction, whether it be chemical, um, the, the alcohol, or the drugs, or the pornography, um, whatever it is, even money and power and these these different kinds of things that even the video games now are an addiction. God, we ask that you would work powerfully amongst us. So the only thing we're addicted to is you. You are the, the air that we breathe as we sing that song, God. We want you to be the only thing that we long for and that we look to and that we, are, we must have every day to survive. So we do pray today, God, breakthrough for those that are seeking it, longing for it. And for those who have people that are in addiction, have addictions, God, may you strengthen them to know how to deal with it biblically. Give them much patience and grace and long-suffering probably, but interceding for them in prayer. And God, we thank you for the, the healing you have done, continuing to do in many, many people. Do pray for Kevin and Lee, especially Kevin, as long as you, you heal that up, God, that we get to hear good reports that something positive happening there, as well as anyone else who has some chronic issues going on. God, help us to to hear the, the positive news about what's going on. There's been a few prayer requests coming in, God, just yesterday and day before that I, I apologize. I don't have the specifics right now, but we want to pray for those prayer requests that were sent in to us. Lift them up before you, God, that you might answer them according to the the plea of those people that are crying out for for help. So we do thank you for that. And again, we pray for the peace for Jerusalem as these continual threats are coming from Iran. That's just getting horribly bad in China, coming down Taiwan and Ukraine and Russia. We can only rejoice and thank you that so far the war has not broken out, that we not we're not seeing the nuclear missiles flying. So we take that as an answer to prayer and as you continue to do what you're doing. So we thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for what you're going to do this weekend. Thank you for what you did yesterday at the mission with the kids and the faithful servants that were there helping us in the kitchen and in every aspect. We just bless you and thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. So that will do it for today. We will look for you guys tomorrow and at 9 o'clock, and I will get a podcast out today so we won't do anything live reading tomorrow but we will have a podcast out if you want to catch that just spotify google Podcasts, apple stitcher and um, the other one i never remember anyway we will see you tomorrow nine o'clock god bless you bye-bye mm-hmm.